You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual Hey everybody, welcome to the Savage Lovecast. My name is Dan Savage. Just a random thought here. If you watch a lot of television like I don't, um, actually I do, try to watch The Daily Show every day and Colbert, but I'm an old man, so I watch it at 8 o'clock, I get it 24 hours late. Maybe you've seen this commercial, it's kind of giving me fits. It's it's for Old Spice, some sort of body goo, gel wash shit, and it's two things at once, and the, the advertising gimmick is they show a centaur in the shower, Soaping up his fucking awesome body, uh, upper human body, not lower horsey body. And he gets kind of upset about uh, two thingsism that uh, Old Spice might think he likes this thing because it's two things at once, just like he is because he's half man, half horse. Get it? And every time I see this commercial, I just keep thinking of the stuff I'm reading in this terrific new book, The Other Side of Desire by Daniel Bergner, which is about fetishes and kinks and freaks and weirdos. Um, and I love. Fetishy, kinky, freaky, weirdos. That's what the show is all about. Um, and how sometimes, you know, someone's exposed to something at just like this crucial moment, this tiny window opens and they, they're they exposed to an image and it just sort of like pops into place. And maybe they had this inclination toward fetishism anyway. No one quite understands where fetishes come from. This is just one theory. They see something just kind of pops into place and then they have a fetish. And I'm worried about this commercial uh, for uh, – this body goo wash thing, two things at once, because it's going to – I think it's creating a whole generation of centaur fetishists. And I'm worried because you know, I, don't, I don't want my son to see it because you know he's at that age where something could pop in. And if something's going to pop into his head fetish-wise or anybody else's fetish-wise, all those other little like pre-adolescents and pubescents and kids in puberty all over America who are turning on the TV, if anything's going to pop into their heads, I want it to be something that they can – realize I don't want them to have a centaur fetish or as I've written about before and discussed a boy tar fetish which is even more fucked up just google boy tar um, after lunch well after lunch not before lunch I want people to have fetishes that they can make happen so so I'm really concerned about what Old Spice is inflicting on America because you know 10 years from now when the kids who are being exposed to this at that little window of opportunity moment right now you know, enter that period of their adult sex life where they have the money, the means, the opportunity, and the motive to try to realize their fantasies. There's going to be a lot of really frustrated centaur fetishists out there who can't find any fucking centaurs because the sex robots aren't here yet. And you can bet your bottom dollar when the sex robots finally arrive, when the sex bots are with us. Some of them are going to be centaurs. Now, maybe this is the perfect moment for this kind of TV commercial for inculcating this kind of new fetish because, you know, people are saying 10, 15, 20 years from now, we will have very realistic sex bots and, you know, sex bots that look just like people. Who fucking cares? Like it's the rich billionaires who are, you know, the guy who has the giant test fantasies who's always wanted to be with a 50-foot woman is going to have a 50-foot woman sex robot that's fully functional and, you know, maybe your kid, maybe my kid – going to have a centaur sex bot one day and then we're going to have to fucking sue Old Spice. The tech savvy at risk youth who are voiceless in this process because I refuse to get them to the microphone told me I sound like a lunatic ranting on a street corner, which may be true, but I'm right, aren't I? I'm right. 
This episode is brought to you by AdamandEve.com, where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products for every lifestyle. To receive 50% off most any item, plus a free gift with most purchases, please visit AdamandEve.com and enter SAVAGE at checkout. Hi, Mr. Dan Savage. I'm from Washington, D.C. area. I was just on my boyfriend's computer and discovered that he, the kind of porn he chooses to look at is um, guys getting pegged pretty much by dominatrix women. Um, I'm not closed off sexually whatsoever. Um, I'm just surprised almost that he hasn't talked to me about it yet because I say all the time, tell me what I want to do and I'll do it. Um, we do some late BDSM with him doing it to me, he's never like wanted or asked me to do it to him. Um, I've also noticed he's looked up a few times on Craigslist that um, for bottoming or hosting for transsexuals, um, for them hosting, I'm a little worried that he's done it. And I'm not okay with that just because I don't want to catch something. But I'm pretty open to him, you know, me and him exploring it together and... I just don't know how to come across asking him. Like, he is very male-dominant in the world. Um, and I know a lot of times, you know, it's opposite in the bedroom, but I don't want to embarrass him by asking him about it, but I want to give him what he wants. What do I do? I'm going to begin every response today with this. It could be worse. He could be into centaur sex bots. So let's count our lucky stars. That all he's into is good old, realizable, run-of-the-mill pegging. Uh, now, maybe it's the tone of your voice because of the shock of the discovery and you're feeling a little mixed, particularly about him looking through Craigslist ads, uh, looking for shemales or uh, you know, people hosting uh, ass peggings, that you sound a little uh, strained about it. When you say, tell me what you want to do and I'll do it, it sounds a little bit like time to make the donuts. Like If that's how you're rolling out your desire or your willingness to – fulfill his fantasies as if you're asking him to put one more goddamn thing on your to-do list that day, that may be why he hasn't shared it with you. It could also just be, and it's much likelier the case, that he's embarrassed, that he's shy, that he's worried, that this may be a fetish too far, even though you're doing BDSM. And the only option you have at this point, particularly with the health risks that you are currently running, I'm not saying that everybody who searches for what's possible, a lot of people look around personal websites and they'll look and see what they could be doing and they get kind of a charge out of that. They'll go and search Craigslist to see who's online right now and who's willing and they get kind of a charge about it even if they're too timid or afraid to act on it. So I'm not saying that he's acted uh, on these or that you finding him looking for people or hosting is proof that he's acted. But you know what? The odds are high enough that you need to act as if he has acted, as if he has been cheating on you with shemales or peggers or whatever, and you have to act in the best interests of your own safety, which is just to disclose. Go tell them you know what you know. Tell them you found what you found. However wrong it is that you snooped, you'll have to get over that hump, particularly if he ever wants you to get on his hump and bang away at his ass with a strap-on dildo. You know, people find out things about their lovers all the time by accident, sometimes by snooping, sometimes porn falls out of the closet, sometimes an ex says something revealing. It's part of the getting to know you process. And sometimes people hold back because they're afraid and then they will have a crisis like this. And this is a crisis, a potentially a health crisis for you if he's letting shemales fuck him in the ass, right, without a condom or even perhaps with. 
sometimes the crisis will force an unpleasant confrontation. There'll be a lot of sturm und drang. Uh, he'll have to apologize. You guys will have to go get tested. And maybe if you power through this, you'll come out better and stronger on the other side with less secrets and a more interesting dynamic sex life than you're having right now. But you got to power through it. You got to rip the Band-Aid off. You got to go to him immediately. Tell him what you saw. Tell him what you know. Tell him that he has got to level with you about what he's done and with whom and what he's interested in and what you're willing to do for him. I am married and my husband and I have just started to get into pegging because he likes to see me in a strap-on and he likes for me to enter him. Um, for my question, though, is when I put on the strap-on to, to peg him, I don't get any sensation out of it. I don't get any feeling out of it. And he wants me to, like, enjoy it. I'm only doing it because I love him and he likes it and he gets off on it. But yet I'm not exactly sure how I'm supposed to get anything out of it and if I'm supposed to, like, put a vibrator um on in between the strap-on and the dildo or what I'm supposed to do in order to make this an experience for me beyond just the fact that, you know, my husband is getting off. I can see your hesitation. He's really asking you for command performance. He's asking you perhaps to pretend that you have sensation in this plastic dick and that it's getting you off too, fucking his ass. Um, because, you know, for him, the experience of being penetrated, if part of it for him is the inversion of roles and him being, you know, the lady with the man pussies getting fucked by you with your girl dick. Your dick being sensate may be part of it for him, part of the whole fantasy. Now, you can pretend. You can ramp up and you can do an acting job and, you know, exaggerate the pleasure you're taking and the pleasure he's receiving, right? Because you already are plugged into that and that's great. You're already plugged into the fact that this is what turns him on and you're Doing it for him, even though there's not a lot of nerve endings in your plastic dildo uh, that are connected to you. Uh, and, and that's great. People should be willing to do that for each other. You know, sometimes people say, what's in it for me? I don't get anything out of this sex act. Blah, blah, blah. I don't like it and I don't feel anything. And I always look at those people like they're crazy. Like if it turns him on or her on and it gets them off, like that's part of your job. And you should be able to – and if you can't take pleasure in their pleasure – what, you don't get them birthday presents either? Because what's in it for fucking you at that moment? What's in it for you is you made them happy. And that's what you're there for. And that's what they're there for is to receive happiness from you and vice versa. But if he wants you to go over the falls, if he wants you to have an orgasm, I don't think you should have to pretend. What I think you should do is go online and look for the butterfly vibrator, which is really a strap-on vibrator that looks kind of like a big, flat, vibrating butterfly that's attached to kind of a jockstrappy thing for ladies and you can literally wear that over your clit, over your vaginal opening, whatever it's called, uh, the terror eye, I call it, uh, under the strap-on and under the dildo. And when you're manipulating the dildo in him, you will be able to push against it and then push it against your clitoris. And it, it may take some time and experimentation before you can coordinate uh, – the pounding way at his ass with the strap on with you know the pace and the the intensity of the vibration and the way you manipulate the vibrator uh, with the dildo by pushing it against him but you may find yourself quite capable of having an orgasm using a butterfly strap on vibrator while you're using your strap on dildo to fuck his ass this episode is brought to you by adamandeve.com where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products to spice up your love life or surprise a special someone Choose from a great selection of toys, lingerie, and movies featuring stars like Jenna Jameson, Carmen Luvana, and Tara Patrick. 
Visit adamandeve.com today and receive 50% off any item of your choice plus a free gift with a purchase of $17 or more. That's adamandeve.com and enter SAVAGE at checkout. Hi, Dan. My name is Dan, and I'm a 26-year-old um, female and straight. And um, I know you're supposed to reach your sexual peak for women as you get older. However, I'm 26. I started having sex when I was 16, and I feel like my sexual peak was when I was 16. I think when I first started having sex, I was completely orgasmic. I mean, I could orgasm just by someone touching me. I just was totally uninhibited. I could do whatever I wanted, and I never felt uncomfortable. It was just, and I came every time, and it was amazing. Uh, and that was with my first boyfriend. And then I think what happened was after that, uh, you know, and as I got older and I had more boyfriends, I started to realize that my other boyfriends weren't as, um, out, you know, experimental or experienced as my first boyfriend. So I started to hold back because I felt weird. And now it's just been a downward spiral. And now I can't orgasm from sex at all. I think it's happened like maybe once or twice since, like, my first year of 16 when I did it every day, multiple times a day for the whole year. Um, And I'm just worried that now I'm never going to orgasm from sex ever again. And uh, just wondering what the fuck. (laughs) And I have a, a great boyfriend. I am having the best sex I've ever had in my life with him. He's better than my high school boyfriend ever was. But it's just... Um, I can't come that way. It has to be from some other stimulation and never from sex. Sure. So about your problem, when you say that you can come from other forms of stimulation but never from sex, what do you mean by that? I mean by I can, you know, from oral or, you know, like using my hand or if he uses his hand but not from penetration. And you used to be able to come from penetration alone. Yes, so easily. Okay, so... Uh, well, how is the quality of the orgasms that you derive from oral or, or, or manual stimulation compared to those 14, 15-year-old orgasms? Um, they're good, but they're just totally different. Mm-hmm. Um, Are they psychologically you know, like, what, different because there was some psychological kick you got to being penetrated and coming at the same time? or is No, no, it was definitely physically different. I mean, it's... Sensation. Yeah, yeah, definitely. How does, the, how does the current and the inter, you know, the intervening boyfriends after that first psycho sex boyfriend, they, <laughs> how do their dicks compare? Not just <laughs> like shape and angle. Um, that's really hard because I don't know if I remember what uh, the first boyfriend's dick totally looks like compared to my boyfriend's dick a, now. A dick of different shape and angle, and, and, and that can be subtle. It's not like, oh, his dick, you know, it was a right angle in the middle of it, and it was... Okay, but I will say this. I did sleep with the, the first boyfriend, like the one I had when I was 16 and, like, drove me crazy. I did sleep with him probably two or three years ago, and it was awful. Okay. So, that, <laughs> it's not, so that it's not like his dick was hitting your G-spot nobody else since has. Clearly, it was no something idea. psychological about yeah. the intensity of that first boyfriend, those first sexual experiences. There was something going on between your ears that was juicing your clit, that was putting you yeah. on edge. And that's really common. You know, men will talk about when they were 14, 15 years old, 
spontaneous, not totally spontaneous orgasms, like accidental orgasms, because they're so fucking horny as teenagers, that they'll be on the bus and they'll have their books in their lap and then, you know, they'll start daydreaming about sex and then realize that they've kind of humped a book twice and blown a because their hair triggered. Now, you are you need to stop thinking of the orgasms you're having now as being deficient or you've lost some superpower. What probably happened to them is you were hair trigger then because you were very young and very horny and getting what a lot of girls your age didn't get, which is a, it sounds like a moderately competent first boyfriend, right? Yes. Who is just like firing your hair trigger. And now you're older and you're calloused, and you're growing over with scar tissue like all of us, and you're just a little bit less of a hair trigger. And we'll see what happens when you do hit your sexual peak in four or five years. You should call us back. Yeah. Because who knows, maybe you'll ramp back up to that hair trigger. Just like the Asian tsunami, you know, the, t- you know, the wave came in and the wave went way out, and it's going to come crashing back. Maybe I shouldn't use this as an example. It's too recent. People died. And you just have to let go and listen to your sexuality. The, the fact that you're able to come through oral and digital stimulation does not mean there's anything wrong with you or you lost anything. It just is how your body's functioning right now. And I, I just would encourage you not to regard it as, as you've lost something. Even though perhaps you have um, because you look back fondly on that hair trigger. But a lot of things that as our bodies age and change and grow we, instead of regarding them as you know, we don't do them as well, we just Work differently. Okay. And we'll see what happens in, in, in four years when your sexual <laughs> explodes under your twat. <laughs> okay, so it's not necessarily my boyfriend and it's not necessarily No, but me. I do think okay. there's something to when you say that for years you were with lousy guys, it sounds like for years you decided you had to ramp things back for fear of scaring these boys you dated off in between yeah. your first and your current. Yeah. That can really fuck with a woman's sexuality and ability to come when they feel like they have to dumb themselves down sexually and and not be as aggressive or, you know, capable or orgasmic as they know themselves to be less they terrify this boy, right? Yeah. I would assign you <laughs> legal. Get fucking stoned a few dozen times when you have sex. Because if what you what your body learned, if you carved a groove into yourself physically, if you physically learned how to be inhibited down there, you may have to unlearn that with a little chemical boost. Mm-hmm. You also might want to try ecstasy once. Okay, but I have tried that, and that actually is a major inhibitor. Ecstasy was an inhibitor? What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> well, actually, I was always told, you know, oh, it's so great, but you're never going to climax when you do it, and that's what I experienced. But, I mean, you're telling me something different now, so... I don't know. <laughs> well, I think ecstasy can be an inhibitor in that you may be on the edge forever and ever, but a lot of people on E have a hard time going over the falls, but they still really enjoy the sex and they really enjoy the contact. Yeah. So they're totally getting off on it and in the moment. They're just not getting off ultimately. And I think you can use E at a moment like that if what you're worried about is inhibition and, you know, uh, and really physical sense memory in your twat that you're not able to control from your head, you can snip that cord, you can you can cut that by like throwing some meat at your twat and saying, enjoy and let's relearn this without necessarily feeling like you're failing again. Oh my god, I'm failing again because I didn't come. Yeah. So like right. back in touch with your the, the sensuous power of your twat that you may have put aside when you were with these inept boys who you had to play down to. <laughs> 
and then go and then get fucking baked out of your mind and banged out of his boyfriend. Stop regarding oral and digital as failure. Yeah. Then you're just reinforcing the problem. Okay. You're getting off. You're having sex. You're having orgasms. You're head and shoulders above a lot of women out there who have much more serious problems uh, than you do. And, and there's nothing wrong with what's happening to you. Yeah. Fucks you. Let a hand drift down to your clit. Yeah. That's why you have I do do that. long arms. <laughs> if God didn't want women to touch their clits to sex, they'd have little Tyrannosaurus Rex arms. And they would be I know. I think it just gets a little, and then, it, but it's kind of like I do that, but then it's kind of like, oh, I can't just do it on my own. Like you have to help. Like I can't make that, it come. You are you are making this problem worse. Every time you I say know. that to yourself, every time you move your hand down to your clit, and you're like, failure, failure. <laughs> you are diminishing the power and strength of your own orgasms by psychologically dismissing them in advance. Uh, having the same orgasms you were having when you were first becoming sexually active. But you regard them differently now, so you experience them differently now. Yeah. Knock it off. All right? Yeah. Knock it off. Knock it off. Stop telling yourself, oh, I touched myself. This isn't that good. Right? It's like I could put two classes of Sprite in front of you, and, and you could drink from both and say, hey, these, these are delicious. They both taste like Sprite. And if I told you, okay, the one on the left, that had a, a, a thimble full of my urine in it. You would say enjoy that one a whole lot less. Not because there's any difference, but just because I told you that. Yeah. There's an imperceptible amount of my urine in that Sprite. That's what you're doing when you go, oh, I touched myself. This orgasm is subpar. You're being in your own Sprite. Does this metaphor work for anybody? You know, the text heavy at Street are shaking their heads now. This whole extended pee and Sprite metaphor out. Thank you so much. You are so welcome. Call us back and give us a report sometime. I'm nearly 40, have been married 15 years, um, happily married. You know, how lucky, right? Three kids. And my husband told me at four in the morning that, and I think his quote um, was, he's madly in love. No, deeply, deeply in love with someone else. Uh, And it, you know, like when the wind is knocked out of your lungs when you're a little kid, like I'm still numb from it all. So it's not, what do you do with that, you know? Um, he, he says, no, nothing physical has happened because he has some control over that. He's trying to figure out what to do. I believe him in that he's not. He had no intention of hurting me. It's someone he works with really closely. Um, Someone I know, actually. Someone impressive. And we're trying to figure out next steps, you know. We are actually meeting with a therapist um, tomorrow evening. But wow, so shaken world. So, uh, hey, we appreciate everything you do, Dan, and, and thanks. Okay. Wow, that sucks. And that's hard. And our culture makes it harder because we insist on talking about romantic love as if it's a zero-sum game, as if having strong feelings for someone else means that your strong feelings for your wife of 15 years must have or have to have had evaporated or disappeared because we insist, uh, despite all evidence to the contrary, 
that one person can't be in love or have strong feelings about two people at the same time. And that's not true. So as you move into counseling and work on preserving your marriage, I would encourage you and your husband both to regard his strong feelings for this third person not as a negation of his love for you, um, although that may be how he's understood it himself. That may be how he's processed it himself because it's the only way he's ever heard anyone talk about these sorts of feelings, that when they erupt for one person, they necessarily end or they must be brought to an end uh, for the person that you had these feelings for previously. It's just not true. You can be in love with someone else. You can have a crush on someone else and that is likely what he's experiencing, um, that first flush of love. Uh, I'm in a long-term relationship. I know from long-term relationships. My partner and I have been together about as long as you and your husband. Uh, we have children, child uh, who's getting older. There have been moments when I've met other guys and I've been totally crushed out on them. But thank God I didn't take that moment and process it and understand it as, oh, my feelings for my partner must be over or, 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 or I have to end them because I'm a bad person if I'm in love with more than one person at a time or have strong feelings for more than one person at a time. Likewise, he's had crushes on people. But you know, because of our you know, shared missing chromosome about love and sex, we were able to uh, share those feelings with each other uh, and, and, and talk about it and not uh, – understand it as the death of the relationship, but just as something that is going to happen over the course of our lives naturally because people are emotionally omnivorous. People are takers of love and seekers of love and just because you've made a commitment to one person to be there for them because you love them for the rest of their lives doesn't mean that you can turn that natural process off. You really can't. The The, the test comes when one or the other of you is in its thrall. And then what happens next? Uh, how do you work through this? How do you process it? Uh, how do you understand it? You know, I would hope your therapist would remind your husband at this moment um, that if he walks away from you because he has these strong feelings uh, for someone else, that he's not just walking away from the strong feelings he have from you, but the life you've built together, the partnership you have, the friendship you have, all this value-added stuff that comes in a long-term relationship that just can't be instantly replicated with someone new. It has to be built. And there's no guarantee that he can build it with this person because the heart is a fucked-up thing. And often, you know, we fall in love and then realize that that person isn't someone, however strongly we felt for them, however genuine the love might have been, isn't someone we can build that kind of a life with. Well, he knows that you are the kind of person he can build that kind of a life with because he has and that you're the kind of person he can love because he does. And that's the most important place to get to first. He does love you. Whatever feelings he has for this other person, don't negate that. And if you can get there, maybe you can work on it. Maybe you can save it. You've got to let him, though, have these feelings. You know, we put people in long-term relationships in this box where they're not allowed to have the feelings that they're having. They have to be in denial about them. And when you bottle them up, they explode. In 3 a.m. conversations, they explode out of people because they're all bottled up. I think a better model is, you know, when a couple is there in their long-term relationship, you should be able to say to your partner, there's this person at work and I've got a crush on her. And it's flummoxing me. And hold my hand and let's get through this. Uh, and then you can. You know, who knows how long he's had these feelings and had to tamp them down. Uh, and who knows the entire time he tamped them down, maybe he hoped they would just burn out or go away on its own and it hasn't. Now he doesn't know how quite how to process it. I can't tell you what's going to happen. I can't tell you if you'll still be together in a year. I can't tell you if what his intentions are or, or whether going into therapy means 
processing the end of this relationship or salvaging it. But again, just circling back to what I said at the very top, I think it's likelier to survive if you both and your therapist, if you set aside this idiotic notion that one person can't be in love with more than one person at a time. One person can, one person often is. And being in denial of that causes – can magnify the harm that it does when it happens at an opportune moment like this. Ironically, I was going to do this this week before Eric Zorn at the Chicago Tribune wrote on his blog that he was listening to the podcast at work, which I think is illegal. He's listening to the podcast and he was not fully satisfied by it because he wanted there to be follow-up calls and shouldn't, you know, in this modern age, you know, the advice, usual ping pong where the question is served and the answer is given and that's the end of it isn't as satisfying because the technology should allow us to have follow-up calls and how the advice go. Do they take the advice? Do they not take the advice? What happened? Like people want to know what happened. So I was planning on doing this anyway, Eric. I don't. I just don't want you to think I'm doing this just for you. But last – a couple of weeks ago, we took a call from a 17-year-old boy who was really feeling this strong desire to get his girlfriend pregnant, a girlfriend of a few months because that's how much he loved her. He loved her so much he wanted to fuck up both of their lives forever, Bristol and Levi style. And I called him up and I tried to talk him off that ledge uh, – and then I warned him at the end that I would be calling him back every once in a while to make sure his girlfriend is still not pregnant and they're using birth control. And I'm going to give him a call right now. In your honor, Eric, even though I planned this before I read your piece. Hello? Hey, it's Dan Savage. Oh, hello? Hello, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Good. Uh, I'm just calling back to make sure that you, you haven't gotten your girlfriend pregnant. No. No? No. Are you still using birth control? Yes, of course. Okay. I told you I was going to call back and check up on you, and I am. Well, I'm glad. Okay. All right. Keep using birth control. Yeah, we will. Okay, bye. Hi, Dan. I'm calling in response to a caller from, I think, two podcasts ago who was a man with a pussy, a trans guy. Um, I thought you gave me some really good advice. I'm a bio-born man. I'm a fag. I'm attracted to men with penises and the pussies distract the men generally. And I just wanted to say that I've been with a trans man recently and um, I had discomfort around his genitals, not because there was a pussy, but because being a fag who mostly has been with guys with dicks, I didn't know necessarily what to do to his pussy to make him happy. And I also didn't want to like bring up his genitals because I didn't know if it was like a sore point or a sticking point or, you know what I'm saying? Like I was trying to be like conscious and sensitive to his trans body and identity and not make it an issue. Um, but I also wanted to give him pleasure. So it kind of put me in a spot. So I just wanted to put that out there for your trans caller who felt uncomfortable bringing it up himself that, you know, maybe his partners are actually more insecure about than he is and not in the way like they're scared or disgusted, but in that they're excited and titillated and inexperienced. Like, pre-pubescent homosexuals who are just so excited to get it on. Thanks very much for your call and your insight. I'm not sure a lot of female-to-male transsexuals out there are going to want their pussies described as sore points and sticking points necessarily. But I back your assertion that there may be guys out there who are gay and totally down with uh, trans men and want to sleep with them but do need to be taken in hand and are waiting Lest they step in it, maybe that's a bad choice of words too, lest they screw it up, maybe I shouldn't say that either, uh, waiting for some waka 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 uh, 
advice uh, and and a few pointers and some leadership uh, from the person with the pussy and some direction from the person with the pussy, boy or girl, at that moment. Hi, Dan Savage. Um, I'm calling in response to the trans guy with a pussy that called in um, and had a hang up about his genitals. And I'm a bisexual woman and I have had sex with all sorts of different people with all sorts of different combinations of genitals and gender identities. And the reason why I had sex with those people is because they're fucking hot and they totally turned my crank and I was totally into it. Um, And obviously people think you're hot, trans guy. Um, People are fucking you. And the reason they're fucking you is because you totally do it for them. And you're not alone. There's a shit ton of people out there like you. And there's a shit ton of people out there like me that are fucking you because you're fucking hot. And um, I just want to say that the the disappointing thing about people with hang-ups is the hang-up. It's not like, oh, man, I'm begging this person to fucking stick my face all over their genitals just to be nice. It's like... You know, the hang-up is the thing that's a bummer, not your genitals. So I encourage you to do the work to get over it and realize that those people that are fucking you are fucking you because they want to be there and they're really into it and they're begging for it. So be strong. Thanks very much for your uh, insight there, too, on the whole man with a pussy issue. Uh, We're going to leave it there this week. The Tech Savvy at Risk Youth and I will be back with you next week with another installment of the Savage Lovecast. In the meantime, 206-201-2720 is the number. Please uh, call, record a question, leave a callback number and your name and we will call you back and we won't put your number or name on the air, of course. And uh, that's it. You download us every week at www.thestranger.com slash savage. I blog every day at slog.thestranger.com. And me and the tech savvy at-risk youth will be back at you next week with another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for listening.